I think probably Jay and, and Hilliard can say the same thing for themselves, right? Don't we share some weird songwriting credits with people here and there? Yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, off the top rope, Jay Nugent. Um, I just found I just found out today that Jay made a record with the Long Beach Dubs Wall Stars guy through uh through a yes. text. And I was like, hey, who the hell knew, man? I was like, how come that guy isn't guesting on our record? You know, we we need some uh, flip-flops at the show. You know, come on. <laughs> Give me a break. We'll take whatever. We'll take flip-flops. Hello and welcome to Things I Can't Forget, the podcast where the slackers themselves talk to a couple ska fans about their brand new album yeah uh you know jj this this podcast comes with some perks every now and then <laughs> yeah wouldn't you say you should, i think we'd get some perks yeah this has definitely been one of them for sure i mean we we did a, a bunch of episodes with the slackers in 2021 or is it 2020 i don't even remember it's it's all the same damn year, man. <laughs> yeah, it's earlier this year in 2020 or whatever. Uh, we did a bunch of episodes talking about their rarities that they'd been releasing throughout the pandemic. And that that alone was very flattering. And then Ianu, uh, that would be enough. Yeah, that was I mean, thank you so much for that. All of the slackers. Uh, but then Dave reached out to us and was like, we're going to we want to talk about the new album with you guys, too. And so. Uh, the way this works, there's going to be, you're going to probably notice there's not crosstalk between all of the members because we kind of had to record this in two different chunks. But it's all together here, all six of the slackers. That's Vic Ruggiero, David Hilliard, as always. Uh, Glenn Pine, Agent J. Nugent, Ara Babajan, and Marcus Geard. All here to talk about the songs they wrote and recorded and gave to us as a gift to the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so without further ado... All of these songs are very recent, uh, comparatively. Like, right, 2018 is not that long ago, especially consider considering we've been indoors for three of those years, right, more right, or less. Right. And and I think that this kind of gives the album a like a way more uh, like a topical feel. Not not like not that you're talking about current issues, but it feels very much like it's of the time. Like you're like 20 years from now, no one's going to listen to this album and think it's anything but the one that the slackers wrote during COVID, you know? Yeah. I, I wonder about that, you know, cause I had, I think we experienced that already with the window land, mm -hmm. uh, that window land being as in the moment as it was. Um, it's not that people don't remember it, but it's like, it's almost like something that makes people twitch a little bit. Like, you know, I, I did it yesterday and people were laughing as I was singing it because they were like, they were like, oh man, yeah, that's right. Do you remember that? Do you remember just looking out the window and being like, oh shit, you know, the world. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's like, that moment's already passed. Like we almost kind of, we already missed the window on that. Like if we had been one of, if we had been one of those, uh, 
you know, artists that we can release things, we can cut the line on everything. Right. Uh, it would have been it would have been great to have released that in 2020. You know what I mean? Just you know, spending time thinking about the themes of the album, uh, of the songs as the album progresses and all that. It feels to me, uh, and I, it doesn't seem based on what was just recently said that uh, this was intentional in, in any sense. But it <laughs> seems to me that like it opens up with Windowland, right? And it's a song that the Slackers have been playing already, uh, has already been released on vinyl. Um, it's kind of familiar, but it kind of sets the scene of like when I hear this song, I picture Vic at his window singing down to the world, and I'm the world, the listeners are the world. And Vic's even singing, like he's addressing me in this song. We're standing outside, we're, the whole world is outside Vic's window, and he's addressing mm. us. And then it gets Feel into that too. right, seeing <laughs> uh, my vision. <laughs> And then it gets into Don't Let the Sunlight Fool You. And suddenly we're inside with Vic now because he's looking out the window. He even mentions the window in the song, which like is a, I'm sure isn't deliberate again, but it's a nice it's a nice connection. And like so he brings you in. And now like the next like seven, eight songs are you indoors with the slackers and their musings on the world outside. <laughs> That's how this album plays to me when I really like sit down and look at it song to song and then as a whole. How do you feel about that? Was that deliberate? <laughs> I, re I, re I really like that. I think I'm going to put that in the press blurb. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a concept record. Yeah, it's good. Well, there's a lot of things we miss when, when we sequence a record. Uh, somebody pointed something out to me recently. I, I think Dave, I think you were there or somebody was there. And they, and they pointed something out about like the first two songs and they were like, wow, such a good plan and such a cool thing. And I think we both sat there and went, oh, yeah, wow, that is a really good idea. <laughs> it had never occurred to us. It just, was it when JJ brought up the two songs about fathers that start off uh, peculiar? Ah, that, that was it. That was it. I win again. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. And it was just like, what a good idea. Jeez Louise. Yeah, well, I mean, and then so we're we're recording this on the fourth of February. Uh, so you've just released the title song, "Don't Let the Sunlight Fool You," as uh, like a promotional single, I guess, hyping the album as well as a video. Uh, yeah. And to have that follow again to on my own little, this is how I'm seeing the album. Like that that seems as well as the title track. It's like the I don't know the thesis of the album. Because uh, it because it, it is all of because it is kind of like it's got that that sense of optimism. The sunlight is an optimism, uh, but it, you're you're not being fooled by the optimism. And then like after track two, here's the reasons to to either be fooled or not be fooled by optimism. <laughs> you get hit immediately with Dave's genuine sunlight, followed by heartbreak in the form of almost lost you, um, just like. The I don't I don't know how to describe the energy of their losing just spitefulness. It's almost like a like a satisfied. Like I, I want to talk to you about this more, but like 
shame boys, you know, fuck the proud boys, the state house is like, <laughs> it's, it's all like, I don't know. It, it, it feels like is, as a collection of current feeling songs, that's just kind of how it, like, it, it feels like you've presented us uh, a look inside the slackers heads as you're just kind of looking out at the world. Like even again, to go back to the first two songs on this record, you yeah. are really going into some new places vocally. <laughs> uh, like Windowland, you do almost like a mock opera thing. Totally. Uh, obvious. <laughs> I, I think you know, like totally. like this, yeah. this like big, like throaty. Like it's it seems like a like it's a you're doing a bit and yeah but you also leave in the kind of laughing it off too huh yeah, yeah. yes <laughs> well you you also you saw the scene I'm I'm leaning out the window singing to everybody I mean I'm oh I'm no no, no I land, you know, I know and <laughs> and that alone like like this almost feels like you've you've like it opens like this could be some kind of opera <laughs> like that's yeah. like I mean Jay and I sat in his basement mixing this record being like. This sounds great. And it's like, well, does it? Does it sound great? Uh, you know, let's play it for somebody. Does it sound great? <laughs> like, we don't know, <laughs> you know? I mean, so how, how did you end up landing on that? Do you, do you think it sounds great? How do you, how do you place this in the, in the long line of Slacker's records? Everybody, everything we put out, I think we like. I mean, you know, some, some people walk into a bar and, the, and they're playing your music. And they and the and the boss says, "Oh, sorry, sorry," and they turn it off. Not to be egotistical, but I mean, I put I we put out the music we like. I wish there was ten bands out there that were trying to do the same thing I was because I'd be listening to them. You know, I like my music, and I and I I love I love doing what I love making what we make because we're shooting for something that isn't out there. It isn't everywhere. Um, so we gotta like it before we put it out for the world. You know, we got to like it, you know, I think, I think I, the other guys agree with me on this, you know, how many songs were recorded for these 12 to be chosen from, uh, you remind me, it was around 20 songs. Yeah. Uh, Something like that. It was, I think we did, we were doing all the final. Yeah. Okay. So, so basically like everything that had, you know, and some of the, it was probably around 20 because some of the songs had alternate mixes and different stuff but it was we tried, around, we tried it was around. Some, yeah there was things you know when you make a record you know there's things you try there's things that don't take off mm-hmm. sometimes there's two takes of a song and you're like oh i really like that take and you're like but well, that other take is good so you know the list is is kind of bizarre and then i think well jay like as we were mixing them i think we started to be like oh that's like that's a great opener or that's a great closer right um, I thought so. I mean, I definitely had some in mind, um, but I don't remember how it shook out from when I heard the when I heard the album. I mean, I, I've been liking the shorter kind of ten to twelve song LP format these days, yeah. um, as opposed to you know the fifteen, sixteen, whatever song CD format that was mm-hmm. the standard for twenty years or whatever. Yeah. But I was kind of surprised. I think I only first heard the record when Dave was playing it in the van once we were driving somewhere in the fall or something. And I was half asleep during it, but I was like, oh, I didn't hear this song. I didn't hear that song. I was like, some of the tunes that I assumed would be on the record, 
like were no brainers. And then thinking back, I'm like, oh yeah, we never even mixed that tune. You know, I right. don't know if you went and mixed it somewhere else, but there was definitely some head scratchers of like tunes that had been in the mix for like two years that I assumed were locks for the record were never on the record and tunes we recorded literally on the last day of tracking ended up being on the record what determining what ended up on here it was definitely thinking okay 40 minutes ish you know so we you want to make sure everything fits into 40 minutes so it's like when you start making lists and start organizing stuff as a collection that comes up uh with uh Oh, well, that's great. Your collection's 49 minutes and 52 minutes, you know, that kind of thing. So right. you need to end. It needs to end. And in some ways, I like the 40-minute uh, focus better than the, uh, the what Jay was saying. Like, the you know, like the question was, we had to do a double LP because it was 19 uh, songs. But it was like the, the uh, you know, the I think the LP length is a nice focus for a package of tunes. So it's like, well, how, and then it's like when you get in the tunes, it's like, oh, well, those tunes are kind of similar. They have a similar beat or maybe there's, you know, it's it's like, oh, maybe that one could use some more mixing. So we're at a point where we got to stop mixing and consider the ones that are done. Um, oh, yeah. We got, I mean, we got caught with a couple of them that were like, they were sure they were sure to be on the record. And then it was like, nope, we had a technical stall. We had we had pro technical problems as this thing went on that was unbelievable. Everything got stalled, so it was like really practical choices. And uh, I like when shit happens like that. You know, sometimes you have to make a choice because it's like, you know, your hand is kind of forced, and and you look back on it and go, oh hey, look at that. You know, that's how it, that's how it uh, that's how the hand played out. You know, I'm kind of curious what, what kind of technical thing could could prevent you from releasing a song, <laughs> finishing a song. Uh, the guy, who, the guy whose studio was at having a complete computer meltdown. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I wasn't his, thinking big enough. <laughs> yeah, his computer. First, the computer that we were mixing on crashed, and of course, we're doing this all. We have days that we have scheduled, which are like you know, we have a few days to manage it. And so when it comes back that the computer is going to take two weeks to fix, so we were like. Well, I guess that's not making the record then because we don't even have an opportunity to go remix it right now. We're just kind of like, eh, here we are. I, one of the things was, do we want the album to be like a reprisal of things we've released over the past couple of years so that it's like, here it is on an album now. Like the way in the 60s, they would do um, a singles right. collection, basically. Or do we want it to be focused on new material? Um, and then it was like, and then if we're focusing on release uh, pre-released or or new material do we want it to be a theme about the 2020 and 21 do we want that or do we want it to be something different so there's all these like little choices you make as you go little stages you know don't let the sunlight fool you it's cold outside don't let the sunlight fool you well one thing uh I noticed uh, a few days ago when the video for Don't Let the Sunlight Fool Ya came out with puppets and the eggs. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a fantastic video. Uh, I was watching it for the first time with my husband in the room. And 
he also happened to come into the room when I was listening to the album for the first time and was just like, I'm not having this. I'm not here for it. Uh, like he, he came through the living room and immediately went into a bedroom and shut the door and like, just wasn't. Guys, real quick. I just, I don't want to interrupt. My, my wife loves the new record. I gotta say. All right, don't but, continue, Matt, please. But so we're watching, I'm watching the video and he, he happens to walk in and he doesn't leave the room. He stops and looks at it. And he's like, looking at the puppet. He's like, Oh, that's supposed to be Vic. Right. I'm like, yeah. And like, I can tell that there's something in this song that he's hearing different than he's heard slackers before. And I think it is the rhythm section. I think it's the drums and I think it's the bass. And I think that there's a sound that you guys got on this record. I don't, I don't know, mature, but mature doesn't sound like the right word because you're all very old. But <laughs> uh, you've been mature before. <laughs> I don't know. It, it seems like you, you seem like you've turned a corner since the last record. And mm-hmm. I think that my husband heard it without no, without him verbalizing it. But I think that I'm trying to verbalize a feeling I sensed in him that I also sense in the record myself. Oh, I love that. Thanks, mm-hmm. Matt. Um, I, to, I would call it honest. I think it's an honest record. Okay. I think it, it honestly portrays where we're at. <laughs> I think yeah. we get better at being honest sort of each time we get together, whether it's to make a record or play a show. You're not, you're not going to catch you know, us being fraudulent. So <laughs> I, I think that's what I like about this stuff is it really, it's honest. You know? We're honest. Yeah. I was living with Vic out in Jersey in the studio and like once the tracks were laid down we could we were across the hall from each other we go yeah you want to you want to track some stuff do you want to do some counterpoint on this track well let's 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 experiment and do it in a very relaxed and uh in a relaxed way because we had that time together mm-hmm. um and i felt completely it felt really good it felt experimental um it, it was very it was exciting for me personally and it felt like records like self-medication that vic and i did a lot of work on it felt like that, where we could get back, have some fun with this and try okay. things. That's interesting that you use the word experimental because I think, and maybe this maybe piggybacks off of what Matt was saying, this record doesn't sound experimental like some of your other records. It doesn't sound like you're fooling around. It sounds like... It's, it's a like little it's, more raw. It's in the pocket, you know? Hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, yeah, what, so if we're hearing you be comfortable and you're saying it's experimental. Very much so. What's, yeah, what, what do you call it? Yeah, what, what are, where, where are we at there? I mean, because I can, I can, I think the, the track uh, that you wrote, Glenn, the, the closing mm-hmm. track has a lot of experimental. That's it. true. That's uh, out there. Mm-hmm. But elsewhere on the record, I, I think I kind of agree with JJ. Um, I'm interested in, in hearing what you would call experimental. Experimental in sounds, we, we spent a lot of time working on sounds. We saw, spent a lot of time thinking about uh, counterpoint vocal stuff that we wanted to do, choral okay. stuff that I thought up and like was like, I'm going to drop this in and see how this flies. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, I made a point of saying, Vic, drag those old keyboards, those old synthesizers, the 70s stuff. Let's like put that those sounds in there. Let's add another palette of sound into what we're doing. Now, we maybe we're... We may be a little bit more mature in how we're putting it in the mix. So it's not just like all over the place. It's maybe a little more tasteful. Do you mean like literally trying stuff? When I hear experimental, I think like dropping acid and looking for the new sound. 
<laughs> I know that reference. I love that reference. Maybe this is best for your solo album. <laughs> Don't let the sunlight fool you. It's cold outside. Don't let the sunlight fool you. I was going to say that to big up Jay that a drum sound at the beginning of sun of sunlight is killer. When those first couple of drum hits come in, I love that. That makes me so happy. That's been something like drums forever have been like the bane of my existence because they're <laughs> so important to establishing the vibe and like that's really the room. Everything else is like an amp and a microphone. But the drums have this literally, no matter how close mic you get them, they still have a, a space around them, you know? And that really is the room that the song's in. That's the world of the song. So mm -hmm. getting your drum sounds is like so important. Even the vocals, I think, obviously they're more important as far as what people listen to, but not so much the space around them. That isn't as important as the space around the drums, the part where the notes aren't. That's that's that vibe you need to hear. So that's something that I've been working on a lot the past few years. It seems like the backing vocals is a lot you, Glenn, yes. like arranging yes. on these records. Yes, I I love that stuff. I did I dig it, man. I, I mean, as a, okay. as a person who like I, when when I sing along to a record, I'm mostly singing backing vocals. Like that's that's where my ear goes. And me too. You, me too. It's just like you you give so many little hooks and little just ear candy layers. Like there's just so much. I, you do so much good, Glenn, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing, you're doing the Lord's work. And you good. Thank you. Buddy. You made someone happy. That's good. I'm having trouble remembering mm. which track, but um, like I said, my wife liked this record a lot and she's, something sounded like gospel was it was it was it track two was it was it don't let the sunlight fool you sunlight has the gospel the imaginary yeah. gospel choir of pine oh yeah yes. that was imaginary the yeah <laughs> the, the, the first church upon you'll laugh at this one i had a friend a childhood friend who contacted me and he's like man i love the new single it's great he goes i gotta say though he's like it's really cool you guys hired a, a, like a cool choir to uh just to, to sing on that one i was like that choir is me man yeah right in my to your apartment. face <laughs> <laughs> man rude yes, was, that's hilarious yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think what I have to watch, and I, I know Vic thinks differently than me about this, but <laughs> I, th I think... Is it going to be that, a hope versus hopeless? Is that where exactly. this is going? <laughs> yes, because I, th I think it's easy to get into nihilism, and uh, right now especially, and I'm trying to cling to some hope. It, it, it's easy when you get nihilist and everything sucks, before you know it, they've turned your head and you, you've become one of the, the bad people. So I, I'm, I'm trying to... Ooh. I'm trying to keep that out of out of that you know pick my the, the enemies I think are the worst make sure they remain targets not to forgive people right, right who 
not to forgive people who are who do you know one step forward two steps back kind of people you know obviously keep it keep an eye on them too you know mm-hmm. that seems but, to be kind of the theme of that song uh hanging on oh yeah is that is that one of yours dave yeah that's my tune okay i i yeah. was i i, I kind of had a feeling <laughs> that's a great that's a great example too of another one where it's like very specific another year is gone i mean we were literally right i mean you remember the year changed you were like you gotta be kidding me this is another year of this right yeah. you know it's not you know i we're all do we're all doing that but um it was it's funny that you great- mentioned been been waiting because there was a time i want to say probably about 2019 when I was listening to Ben Waiting and it just kind of hit me that like, oh God, like all of this is still, <laughs> we're still waiting. Like it fucking, like that, that song like aged in a, in a, in a way that like was a gut punch to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a few of them. I mean, uh, you know, we're still singing about Guantanamo Bay and we were hoping that that we were going to have to rewrite that verse. You know, and it's don't like, worry, Obama. Bit. Obama's going to close Guantanamo, Dick. It'll be. I fine. Know. He said he would. <laughs> it's one of those things that you're just like, holy cow! Like, I mean, there's so many things that you know. Everything happens so slowly, and as Dave just said, you know, the problems are pretty much like you know, there's a, there's constant themes. Uh, so it's trying to find those themes, and I don't know. I think we do a pretty good job of finding universal themes. You know, right? I would say yeah. so. Yeah, well, I think the last album was like the self-title was very personal in the sense that like in the in sort of a weird like gazing in upon yourself mood in the band. It wasn't sure. as as overtly political as like war criminal or uh you know, there's political moments on it, but for the most part it was pretty much me and my emotions, me and my relationships, me and my stuff. I'm sort of gazing in on them, you know, in terms of meaning. Yeah. And uh, this one, this one, I think because the world has sort of imposed itself upon us. Like we couldn't, you can't avoid it. You know, you have for the last couple of years, the world, the, the outside world, you can, it, you know, it's like if you, and the, the only way you could avoid it is turning everything off and living in a cave, you know, and if you're not doing that, you know, most of us had the experience of living in a cave, our homes, or at least in New York, we did with our apartments. And but you still have internet. You just you're weirdly connected to the outside world, but you can't touch it. You know? Yeah, so it's, it's like, like a, you said, this is a very like outward looking record for sure. Hanging on a my health. Every day I rise up from my bed. Guys, I want to, I want to, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to ask a little bit about sad music. Sad <laughs> music. I, uh, a little bit about me. I, I've always been, um, maybe a little too emotional, sorry, emotional about music. I remember listening to like Whitney Houston, I want to dance with somebody and like focusing more on the loneliness of that song than the upbeat pop of that song. <laughs> huh. And, 
I think part of what has always been kind of an attraction to, to ska for me is is it it doesn't bum me out. Like there's, uh, it doesn't have that 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 sad weight that so much like. My friends listen to Bright Eyes. I've tried listening to Leonard Cohen. I can't listen to Leonard Cohen. Like that, that shit drags me down, like by my heart down, you know? And, but on the flip side, like unrelated to that aspect of me, something I've always liked about the Slackers is that you guys bring more emotion to the music than, than almost any other ska band. And mm. here you are on this record and you've got songs that, um, that deal with a kind of like, grown person's love and the kind of fears that come along with that. And especially like, uh, almost lost you. Um, mm. my wife is a breast cancer survivor and uh, that song, that song hits hard. You even say it in the song. I don't even like thinking about it. All right. It's something I don't mm -hmm. like thinking about. I don't know how often I can listen to this song, you guys. Like it. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh -huh. And so, so, all right. So I want to ask like a little bit about what's it like to, to bring sad music to, to what is considered happy music. But I also want to ask, like, what's it like to, to sing a sad song? And like, do you have to kind of disassociate a little to, 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 to perform that? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, there's always been melancholy in ska music. I was just thinking when you were talking about uh, the old Joe Higgs song, uh, songs, my enemy sings, you know, that's, that's mm -hmm. really, that's a really deep song. And uh, it's got lots of melancholy. He's really, Joe Higgs was really, I think, really good at that, too. Like, there's a reward for me. There's mm -hmm. always this uh, wistfulness in his voice. And uh, that's something that I really enjoy in music, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the vocalists I tend to, to get into and stuff, they always have a a, a bit of wistfulness or regret. Bringing that little extra to it, yeah. Yeah, even when they're doing upbeat stuff. Even when, like, Sam Cooke does an upbeat song, there's it's not completely upbeat you know and uh i, I love that you know I, my favorite my favorite dave listening in between the lines was the diana ross uh, someday we'll be together mm. and uh you said uh well think about it in the in the in the times think about it it's it's 1968 civil rights it's it's a heavy time mm -hmm. someday we'll mm -hmm. be together and i was like ooh, i was like dave that's that's good you know it's like because we forget sometimes that, you know, that's exactly what's going on. You know, you're, you're trying to, like those guys are trying to communicate something that they know they got to communicate. They're thinking about things too. And we might be just hanging out and dancing, you know? Uh, your love is lifting me higher than it's ever been before. You know, you can listen to that in a lot of different ways. It's a great dance tune, but it's also like, you, you can use that, you know, you, there's a lot going on in there, you know? I remember Vic, you entered a sad song contest at some point. <laughs> yeah. Have you? Have you ever? Has there ever been a song that you wrote that's just too sad? Too sad to sing? Too too sad uh, for you? Too sad. Usually, if I'm wallowing in the sadness, you know that's you know the songs changes as as you go along. And um, like I was saying, with the sunlight, um, you write it about one thing, and then the times change, and suddenly it's about that. Um. You know, some of the songs I, I get sad to sing. I think the one I always say is my saddest is the I'll never trust no one again, that this is the night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, just, just because it's such a it's such a terrible thing to say, be, because it just really like that just ruins your life. Like, oh, I'll just never trust anybody again. 
You know, it's like things you say in an argument, like, well, fine. I just won't share anything with you anymore. You know? Right. And, and, and it's like, yeah, great. That's great. That's a horrible way to have a relationship. That's a horrible way to live a life. Well, don't, don't worry. Anytime something bothers me, you don't worry. You'll never hear me say it again. You know? Um, it's not. Yeah, it's not the kind of things you want to repeat every day. And so there's some days where I do feel guilty about saying something. You know, it's like Johnny Cash with the uh, I shot a man in Reno to watch him die. He said he always regretted that one. Yeah. You know, especially especially when you sing it in prison and there's like Cheer. 50 people. I shot a man too. Yeah, that's right. He's singing for me. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So have you ever said, no, not tonight. I'm not singing that tonight. Any yeah. song. I mean, because you sing I, about loss, too. It's not just about breakups like you, you sing about real actual. Loss. Yeah. You know, there, there's it depends on the day. Sometimes I'm singing a song and I, I get I get teary eyed and I'm like, whew, I didn't realize that that one was going to get me tonight. Lord, I almost lost you there. And that's something I don't dare to think about. Life without you. You know you gave me quite a scare. You know you gave me quite a lot to think about. Well, how about you guys on that same tip? Um, has, has, has it ever been too much emotionally? Has the music ever, you guys are, you guys are in a ska band, but like you guys, you guys touch on some serious topics. Do you guys ever that's, say, that's hey, not That's annoys the crap out of me, by the way. Just because we play ska music doesn't mean we don't have a right to have depth of emotion. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> I'm ashamed of you, JJ. I can't believe you just said that. Uh, he's not I'm, saying I'm it. speaking for the, the crowds that don't know. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a it's song like that I, I wrote years ago called Anastasia is one that had a, I would, had a really tough time singing. In fact, during one of some of those live streams, I uh, brought that tune back and sang it. It was very difficult because it's about my grandmother yeah. and her very difficult life that she had. So it was one that I was close with my grandma. So it's uh, it's a tough one to sing. Yeah, I, I I can't I can't imagine. Like I said, I um, uh, I it, I, it, I get just. I'm sorry, just to interrupt for a sec. No, it occurred ahead. to me that I get sad playing some of Marcus's songs <laughs> because they're so deep and uh, heartfelt that there's there's been a few occasions where I thought I might lose it. Just oh. getting behind some of those tunes, um, you know, if if you're playing them right and you get into the depths of of them, they'll they'll you know, yeah, they'll break you totally. Totally. You, you feel, you start feeling them as, as your own. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, and so, you know, I, you know, uh, I almost lost you and, and TV dinner from a couple of years ago that Marcus wrote. Mm -hmm. Those are two that really get me each time we do them. The great song. It's it's real hard to play, you know. It's it's one of those simple, slow tunes with enough space in it. It's really easy to screw it up. So, <laughs> and then a lot of it, it, it's not a good party song. <laughs> no, a lot a lot of the emotional stuff, you know, with the band is is circumstantial too. You know, like 
playing a show in a place where a friend of yours had maybe died the year before, or maybe where your, your dad used to come see you all the time, or, you know, or your first show back after a year and sure. of COVID or, you know, a lot of, most of it is circumstantially emotional for me. That definitely happens. There's, there's definitely places that you play that just, like you said, somebody from there passed away or a relationship fell apart there. It's like, yeah, yeah. they definitely have, uh, definitely have a sting to them. Yeah. Would you, would you guys consider yourselves all fairly sentimental? I feel like your music's sentimental. The music's definitely. sentimental. We're sentimental. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Definitely We're, we're, I don't we're think I've ever sentimental. put it in those terms before, but yeah. it's becoming aware to me right now, or apparent to me right now. <laughs> yes, grossly mm. sentimental. Sentimental. Yeah. Marcus, um, did Vic tell you how good Almost Lost You was? Uh, yeah. Okay, because yeah. I, I think he, I think he, I thought he mentioned it. He mentioned like regretting saying it on mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I wanted to make sure that that it was acknowledged that he also complimented this song. Uh, just for the record, again. <laughs> we have the, we, we have the video. When, when we first, the, when I first showed it to the band and we first learned it, uh, I think I played a demo and uh, he was like, wow, that's a real good song. And that for, coming from Vic, that Vic doesn't say that about anybody's songs, though. So. And I was, I was just going to say also like that, that back-to-back hanging on with uh, Almost Lost Ya is both two like really humbling songs mm. uh, because they're, they're followed by some, some kind of piss and vinegar uh, from Vic, but like the other, but Dave <laughs> uh, and Marcus, you guys both kind of brought some some humility and some like taking stock of the things that you do care about, the things you do love before the album careens into all the things Vic hates. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got to say if these, I'm glad you're recording this. So we have these quotes. (laughs) (laughs) That that was amazing. (laughs) I I think like that's a hard thing to do is, is, talk about you know things you don't like like essentially blues you know things that make you sad and whatever without um seeming you know mopey or uh you know uh feeling sorry for yourself it's a fine line (laughs) you know and it has to be something the audience can connect with you know even if it's something personal to you it's the kind of thing that anyone should hear it and identify with so it isn't necessarily you that's feeling sorry for yourself. It's like everyone experiencing that, you know, it's, it's a fine line to walk. And yeah, it, it's, it takes a good songwriter to, to kind of put the right words together. Absolutely. And you got a good point too, that that's the good thing with the slack is everybody kind of takes turns. You know, when Marcus isn't being cocky enough, I'm right there to fill in, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Put me in, coach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ready. Tags. You know, you jump into the ring with the chair, you know. Exactly. <laughs> no, this my friends. You can't stop the time. Put your hands in the waves. You won't stop the tides. Now you
you might feel bad Oh, but you should be glad But it's, it's true, though. I think, you know, that's also you want to talk about, like, you know, the, uh, you know, the band maturing or, or people maturing personally. A song like Almost Lost You, it's about grown up love. Uh, and a song like They Are Losing is about grown up politics and grown up seeing the world. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I I've had a lot of moments. I remember one time sitting outside a gig, one of the first Slackers gigs that we played really good you know one of those ones where i was like wow this is great like i can't believe it was a miracle and uh i walked outside and i was like but the world is still the same nothing has changed (laughs) there's no pegasus didn't just fly by my face right now because i played a good gig it's like yeah get used to it you just did the best thing you ever did in your life so far and they're still going to charge you uh you know 75 cents for your cup of coffee at the supermarket you know so that's that, <laughs> you know, life will go on as usual. And uh, yeah, I've grown up a lot in the past few years. I've really had a lot of things. I, I think I realize, you know, it takes us to save the world. It doesn't take, doesn't take me to save the world. It takes us. It takes people. It's not I, it's we. And these thoughts have been heavy, man. These things have been really heavy. You know, it's not that I haven't had inklings of it for a long time, but really accepting some of that stuff has been important, you know? track of like the grown-up politics uh their losing is followed immediately by shame boy and state house uh which are both also like you you have this pol- this track of political songs on this record that aren't really combative they're presented very matter-of-factly uh, like this, like state house is obviously like reflective. It's already, it's already history. The flag's already down, right. uh, which is like a nice, uh, I, I don't know, cons- uh, catharsis to where the song started and whatever. But, but even shame boy isn't like engaging in dialogue. It's like so dismissive, uh, <laughs> that it's like impossible to even, like engage with, <laughs> uh, it, you're, it's just, it, and it's just like it's it's a beautiful, like all all three of these songs are, are just like a beautiful, just absolutely confident, concise political message of just like where you stand and the things that you are never going to respect. <laughs> mm. Mm. Well, you know the slack is you know deep down. You'll never get the punk out of the Slackers. I mean, the Slackers are a punk band. E- even Dave is a punk rocker, you know, even though, like, oh, yeah. you know, we, you we've know, established that you know through the earlier episodes of Things I Can't yeah. Forget. We know about Dave's punk roots right. by now. 
I mean, but it's like it's that ethos. It's just that you know, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it when when, I, when it needs to be said or when I want to say it, and I'm gonna try to say it as clearly as I can. And uh, it's gotta, you know, it's you gotta try. You gotta be fearless about some things too. I, I really, I, I, you know, kind of in theory or at least like spiritually trying to capture that the 90s, like classic era slacker stuff, which obviously there's so many different variables. Coyote was like such a nice room and great board and a two inch machine and great engineers. And there's a different instrument, a different membership of the band and everything. So there's so many different variables. It's really hard to recapture that. But yes, you want to have that like saturated and that kind of tough old reggae sound but we're not the agrolytes we're not going for exactly that like dr bird you know um mm -hmm. really saturated like early reggae it should still sound like kind of a 70s almost like a 70s latin soul record kind of you know in that yeah. way but um i mean in theory i'd love to make the record sound like the late 90s coyote records recorded at coyote because that's the classic era of the band on that so it's it's all the little things but you know the recording we do now is so different recording in somebody's house or at a live venue through a digital setup different amps different people playing the instruments is probably the biggest factor so it's really hard to recapture that but in little ways yeah we when when we went we did a couple of the tunes at, at the end uh, like i was saying Vic axelrod did one of the things and his his uh his board crashed and everything and same thing with um when we were uh mastering it we did a couple of mixes right at the end and also just like you know things that were kind of in parts and segments uh and both mitch the mastering guy and axelrod were like oh yeah this is really this sound is really particular like this is we've heard jay working on this it sounds like he's made some progress it's like you know, everybody's kind of keeping track of each other and seeing like, oh, yeah, well, did you do that? Oh, well, I did this. And then I know that Jay was telling me he based all his stuff. I mean, not all, but that you got a lot of hints from Axelrod, right? Yeah, over the years, definitely mostly from Victor Rice, but definitely Axelrod, like, mm -hmm. but less detailed stuff, but like kind of more big picture things, you know? Right. So it's one of those things that like very much like very much like playing a tune, you know, because like we'd figure out, we'd figure out something about how to play. Uh, somebody'd say, "Oh, you know what it is about playing the ska chords? Don't be too clever about it. Don't play jazz chords." And I'd say, "Yeah, but I really like to play the sixth on the left hand because I think the sixth is mushier." And we're all talking to each other, and like the agrolytes, we talk talk to me, talk to Hepcat, talk to the guys in the you know all the other bands throw rag that we were talking to back in the in the day talking about bass sounds and bass amps and you know everybody kind of working towards a goal that we all kind of like similar sounds we all kind of like old sounds we like this mushy pretty you know lots of harmonics right i mean that's that's what makes all that old music sound mm. Mm. you know 
that's what and that's and back to Albert and Mike Coyote. That's exactly what they were going for. They were listening to Credence and we brought them the whalers. And they were like, hey, wow, this is great stuff too. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, but that but it's the same thing. They those drum sounds you're talking about back in the coyote days, that's that's Albert trying to make it sound like a Credence record. Yeah, but I mean, that stuff but uh, Luis sounds so natural, like the kid, and it like he has a very particular sound, which is kind of against how I would mix it. But it's like, oh, mm. like this is it right through the microphone. So actually, that frequency that I normally cut the shit out of, I was like, oh, but it's natural. It's not an unfortunate side effect of the room and it, how everything's hitting the mic. That is mm -hmm. the sound of that snare drum, and it sounds great. So I'm going to leave it alone because mm. um, yeah, I like that. That stuff sounds so nice just hitting the tape that I kind of tried to let it do its thing. There are, there are a couple songs on this record that, that feel particularly old slackers. Um, mm. But then there are also some songs that kind of feel like you've confidently just stepped into a lane you've never really been in before. Mm. But it also like genre wise, like you are playing some of these songs Nothing's like totally brand new. You've got like old school rock and roll, even like pre-rock and roll, the the ska stuff, the R&B stuff, the reggae stuff. But I think that there's like you found this new lane where you're playing reggae like a soul band instead of soul like a ska band. <laughs> and I I don't know if that makes any sense. But that was an observation I've had on a couple of these songs that like I think that you've like you've stopped in a way you've kind of broken from your legacy as a ska band and you're very firmly a whatever you want to be band now. Mm, that's nice. That's nice to hear. Well, I remember Jay and I had a conversation once at, at around the time. We were struggling. We, you know, the, the band goes through these seasons, right? Where we're like, what are we doing? You know? And um, we were struggling with some kind of rootsy stuff. And Jay was talking about how, I can't, I can't remember if it was production-wise or in another band or whatever, but he was with Aura. And he's like, why am I trying to make Aura play like every other ska drummer or reggae drummer? Like, Aura is Aura. And he does things nobody else does. Like, you know, he brings rock elements into our band that we would never have asked to be there but they don't sound like the way somebody else would do it so why would we you know and i remember being like oh jay you're completely right like why why don't we just go with this like why don't we just like you're exactly right go with it and i think that's you know within reason within reason everybody gets to do <laughs> gets to get yeah, everybody gets to go with it you know mm -hmm. people got to check me too you know sometimes they're like Fick, what are you doing over here? you know uh but it's very much that it's very much trusting the, the people now, you know, I think Marcus played better on this record than, I mean, you know, I hope he doesn't hear the podcast, but I mean, he played better on this record than I've ever heard him play ever, wow. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, his bass part, his bass playing on some of that stuff that was like detailed little changes, little twists and turns was like, wow, man. I mean, I don't know if he was practicing at home or what, but it was like really good, you know? And I'd say that for everybody in the band, people really took the tunes and, and that was everybody contributing tunes. People took the tunes and, and ran with them and put their, put their two cents in there and made it, 
You know, I mean, you, you guys, you, you can talk. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I think good. the thing about aura, it, it, for me, that exactly what you were saying, something about, it, you know, finding this thing where we have the sky and we can do the sky, but we can play other styles of music. I feel that's really come together the last definitely five or more years. Uh, but I, I hear it mostly in aura where he, it felt like for years he was kind of fighting against playing the kind of traditional ska stuff. And, and while he didn't like surrender to that, he kind of gravitated, like he grabbed some of that, but now he's got this, he's in this nice place where he's doing the real aura stuff from where he cut his teeth in, you know, Southern California playing like funk punk and punk and leftover crack and all that stuff. And he can play the real ska and reggae. And he's in this kind of middle ground where he's, not playing one than the other. He's not shifting gears. It's like this thing now that he does that really sounds great. And talking about a, like almost lost you something like that. I was like hearing that song and hearing the tracks back. I was like, the drums sounded so good. I was like, I barely had to do anything. You know, it's things like that where it's like, Oh, these are just songs now that they're not dependent on being ska songs, you know, like, like hanging on is like us just like bread and butter ska, but the song itself doesn't depend on being a ska song, like any song with the word like rude boy or pick it up, you know, has to be a ska song, but like <laughs> hanging on, it's like, that could be anything. You could sing that in church acapella. That could be a country song. That could be a pop ballad. Um, mm-hmm. But the band, the backing band behind it is like ska all day. It's stuff like that, that I really enjoy the place where the slackers are in now. But one of the things they, that uh, came up before was they think that you are uh, have a lot to do with it, that it's your drumming that's that's taken this into a new place. And also, Marcus, that your bass playing. Uh, Vic said that you've never sounded better as a bass player as you do on this record. I mean, I think he couldn't be more right about it. Yeah, this is true. I, I heard... I heard him. I heard him say nice things about you, Marcus. Well, I heard yeah. it. <laughs> he did. I he expounded. Did you videotape any of this? It's, it's, it's tape. It's tape. It was in his pocket. Yeah. Oh, we've got yeah. the video. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you on your birthday. Vic saying nice things. <laughs> the cameo. <laughs> I, I yeah, mean, I think the, I, I think the rhythm section did awesome, you know. And it's it's it, it, the, the funny thing I think with the last album every song is kind of a hybrid you know you say oh that's a country rock steady tune or that's like soul with hints of scar or something and this one i don't think we even talked about it and we just played them how they came up we didn't have big fights about oh this should be fast or slow they 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 hit into where they should be really quickly yeah and then it wasn't it wasn't really a huge amount of destruction, uh, a huge amount of discussion about it. And I, and I think that was also good because it kept us from being clever. Okay. Totally. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> you know, it's like we just we just sat down and we played the tunes and this is where they were at. It was it's well, we of, weren't yeah, well, we, we weren't on the clock. We were at our Sam Dan Mark's house yeah. making mm-hmm. 
you know, jamming. And so we could do that for as long as we wanted, you know, and that's a big difference from being in a studio um, where you're paying for the time. Right. Right. You so really feel it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got to, we got to just be us, you know, and there was no anxiety to that really. Still, I thought there were a couple of them we knocked out in like two, three takes. Like we learned it and then did it like real fast. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, uh, what's that? Uh, some of the more upbeat numbers. <clears throat> we kind of, you know, we tore through them and yeah, you know, we, they were a little I little think I think you learned you, lo- you learned you learned hanging on, hanging on in a day and then we was recorded, right? Yeah, there yeah. Were, there's there's a couple things on there we learned yeah. in like five minutes yeah. and then played yeah. and then recorded. <laughs> Even almost feel that, that urgency like, though yeah you feel that that yeah. pep you know yeah but we, mm-hmm. we're good at communicating like that very efficiently now and you know that's that's just where we're at Hey Dave, what's second best about? What with the tune? Yeah, it's a. I was kind of wondering about that. <laughs> it's about always being called the second when you're the band. We're the band that comes up when uh, other bands. Uh, right, that's true. I like, know. Oh, who? Who? Oh, like you know, for example, like like oh, Hepcat did it last year, so this year let's get the Slackers. <laughs> You guys are one for us. The dance to be named canceled out. Ooh, let's call the slackers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. You know, I want to be your second best, the one you try when you try the rest, you know? So it's like that's that was the inspiration. Yeah. And it, Did you it's get that to... off a box of pizza? You tried no, the rest. I love, it. I love it. That's great. Yeah, it's, but, that's great. <laughs> Car dealer. So it, it's like uh, it was in the... The direct artistic inspiration is uh, Willie Nelson. I was trying to write um, my version of "Always, Always on My Mind," you know, because yeah. it, it does. I can hear that. It, 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 it doesn't. It doesn't. I love. I love the, the songs that don't stop. On that doesn't he? Yes, he does actually. And yeah. and and you, and you keep uh, you keep going. Uh, like the song doesn't keep stop. It just right, keeps right. going. It, it it has a. It's a big long form, not a, not a. Construct. Like it's seri- yeah, construct. Yeah, it's, it's series of short forms, right? right? So it's it's kind of open open ended that way. I like about it. I thought it was a Joe Jackson reference. I thought have you ever heard that Joe Jackson song "Be My Number Two? No, no, no. It's a great one. Oh, cool. I, I could Joe see Jackson. that it being that sort of zone, but yeah, it was it was Willie Nelson, um, and then uh, was probably the the main influence on it. Yeah. Cool. Because when good when I heard to, that, place to draw from for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you can't say enough nice things about Willie Nelson as a oh, songwriter. Man, absolutely. Oh God, no. <clears throat> Listening to Second Best, and I, I brought it up right after Glenn's story because I had a feeling it like there's an interpretation that I wasn't sure was correct, which is why I just came out and asked you what, okay. what your motivation was, uh, but. It sounded to me like it could possibly have been a song about somebody involved with somebody romantically who's in a band and who's like, hey, whenever you're done with those fucking smelly boys, uh, I'm here waiting for you. <laughs> kind of like when, when Slash stood up 
in the church and went outside and played his solo. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> so I was, I was, no I was thinking. <laughs> That's a great reference. <laughs> You're full of great references today, JJ. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> so I was I was wondering if maybe it was something like like you felt guilty and you're writing that from the perspective of like your own family or something and well, like, it, like it, guilt tripping oh, you. Oh. <laughs> you know, I did wonder. I did I was like, Dave, what the fuck are you talking about? You know? Right? Right? <laughs> it's not just me, Dave. We're all asking. Dave, <laughs> hey, lay down on that. You seem so happy. What's going on? No, it's a Willie Nelson song. Willie Nelson. <laughs> Willie Nelson. Um, no more questions. Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. No, it, 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 it's like I, I like writing songs about something, and then you put love song touches on top of it. Yes. Yes, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that is always a good touch. And like you, that was kind of like, I still love you as well. Kind of mm-hmm. almost sounds like, a, if you don't pay attention to it, it sounds like a romance song. It's like a John Lennon thing though, right? Yeah. That's such a great song, by the way. I, right? That's, that's one of the tunes I've picked up singing. And I I think that is such a great song. And it's it's a great protest song. And it's a great, you know, I love America tune. It is it is easily yeah. misunderstood, but mm-hmm. it's a it's a really great song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is it? What is it like being um being like the number two ska band at a at a big ska fest, guys? <laughs> mm, very good question. It's always the story of our life, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you guys should uh, start branding yourselves number two tone. You know, when we were on Hellcat, our motto was we're third from last because we were the third worst selling uh, band on their label. You guys are flagship. Shut up. It's got a normal the underdogs. Yeah, with 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 Epitaph. Yeah, all right. That band broke. All right. We're third from last now. Yeah. And even like like some of these songs, um, "Boogie Nowhere" is one of them. Uh, "Shame Boy" is another. Are like very almost like just fifties rock and roll. And and the way that the sax or I guess the horn section in general is is utilized and the way that the guitar and the drums like every everything is working in a way that is not like you're not even trying. It doesn't sound like a ska band anymore. Uh, and I think that in the past, like because you've obviously experimented in these other genres before, uh, explored these other genres before. Um but in the past, and and maybe it's me and other people will disagree. Uh, it sounds like it, it sounded in the past like a ska band emulating something, and it no longer sounds like the way that you're able now to arrange songs and play songs. No longer sounds like you live in ska, and it sounds like you're a band of these of all of these genres now. Like you've you've 
just come to inhabit all of them instead of being like a per a, a group of people exploring them or like taking them on for a song. Is anybody listening? I said, is anybody listening? Because I talk and talk and then I start walking. Nobody listening. It's a one side of conversation. It's just a one side of conversation. You know I'm getting annoyed. Good to hear because that's what I always like. I was saying the Stones record I was just listening to. Um, that was them graduating into the into their sound. I mean, of course, it took us like about you know twenty five years longer than them. But uh, <laughs> you I, know. I didn't mean for it to sound like that. But <laughs> no, no, but 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 really, like you know, we've always compared ourselves to the to the British rock bands because uh, you know I know me and Marcus particularly, and and maybe Jay too. Um, you know, we we looked at those British invasion bands as like these these were the things we really like, and they were emulating American blues and stuff that they heard that was older music, older English music, or you know whatever. And they got it wrong. I mean, particularly the American blues, they got it wrong. You know, they played it completely off kilter and invented their own style and cool. You know, we all we all love it. And then, you know, at some point they graduated into being their own thing. And uh, that's what we always, that's kind of what we always hold ourselves to. You know, that makes sense. Well, this is a little bit off topic from the record, Vic, but uh, after, uh, what's it? Charlie Watts, after Charlie Watts passed uh, not too long ago, mm. I texted you and told you I had been listening to a lot of Rolling Stones and uh, I, like, I was on to you or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it was like, because I've never really spent a lot of time with the Rolling Stones music and hearing their take on like country and Western and their take on blues. I was like, oh, shit that's where the slackers are are getting a lot of this shit. It's not necessarily like, I mean, not saying that you're not listening to it directly, but hearing, hearing it in Mick Jagger's voice, uh, mm-hmm. like I was like, okay, now I know where Vic is coming to some of these influences. It's, mm-hmm. Some of it's filtered through the stones now. And I didn't realize that until recently. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're on the mission. You know, they, they, they handed us, they handed us the job, you know, that like, and that's kind of what I intend to do. I think the Slackers did that just like the Acolytes did that uh, for a lot of bands, you know, once they showed that it could be done, all mm. these Acolytes style bands showed up. Am I complaining? Not at all. It's wonderful. I get to hear skinhead reggae everywhere now, all over the right. world. And that never right. happened before, right. you know, and that's gorgeous. You know, and there are a lot worse, less enjoyable bands uh, to be suddenly influential all over the world. Yeah. I'd rather hear a bunch of bands uh, trying to do what the Agrolites do right. to any degree of success. And I mean, we used to, we could joke about them. I mean, there were some bands we were like, yeah, take, you know, take one from column A, one from column B, you know, a place, put the Ians on the end. You've got your band name. And, uh, <laughs> and it was like, okay, cool. But exactly, how much am I really complaining? How much of my ball busting is really coming from a sweet, you know, I'm very happy you're here, the Madridians or whoever you are. Like, <laughs> thank you for being, thank you for being interested. Thank you for putting the time in 
And thank you, the Agrilites, for showing people that it could be done. Very much like mm-hmm. bands like Hepcat did for us, where we heard that it could be done. We heard Hepcat do it. And, you know, Dave, of course, was, you know, front and center on that, you know, mission. But it was like young guys like us just made a record where they played real rock steady and ska. That sounds like it. And wow, we are ready to do this now. We know it can be done. It's not just a pipe dream, you know? first couple of steps were a little unsure like can the band play this will they play this like Sabrina right, right. and it was like all these tunes like this that we started to like inch our way okay we're kind of comfortable with this okay we could kind of play like a rhythm and bluesy thing all right mm-hmm. we can mess with country as a novelty all right now we're gonna try and like do this now and not fake it and be doing it you know tongue-in-cheek and it's like the, the more that happened especially on the last record six years ago we kind of stretched out and kind of had weird kind of like psychedelic ballads and things like that <laughs> right. where now it's like oh we we can just write songs now and like the beat you know we'll figure out when it happens you know we'll just kind of try this or try that and we're not going to be locked into like i was always kind of um frustrated with the band when i first joined not like i have a huge musical vocabulary but i always kind of felt like the band had three speeds or four, you know, it was like yeah. ska or swing ska or rock steady or, or, reggae. or reggae. Like, and that was, mm-hmm. that was it. You, it. No matter what style, it was going to be that beat, you know, the same. Right. And now it's like, let's just figure it out and see where the music is landing. And that's where the beat should land. A, f- a friend of ours, our friend Alex, one time he, he said, uh, we put the mummy on the record. And he was like, what is this tune? This is terrible. This is disgusting. You know, <laughs> what are you doing? And then later, years later, he was like, yes, I'm sorry about that. I was just very affected at the time, you know, <laughs> but it grew on me too. But, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it was like, okay, maybe that was too soon. Maybe it was, you know, garage ska, garage rock ska wasn't ready. We weren't ready for it yet. You know, but by something I'd known, I always wanted to do. I've always heard it. I, you know, after I heard the seeds, I knew it could be done. You know, pushing too hard is, garage, you know, garage rock ska. So is uh, I'm your Venus, I'm your fire, that one. We know it's happened, you know. So, yeah, but it's good. I'm glad. I'm glad it sounds more natural now. It doesn't sound like us putting on a costume, you know. Just treat her right, or she'll be your ruin. Yeah, I was given a lot of latitude on this record to just, to where Vic would just say, just play for five, ten minutes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'll just grab, I'll just grab whatever's cool and, and put some shit together out of that. And that's a lot of freedom, you know? Yeah. You, you can you can go to some interesting places when someone, you know, someone you love tells you to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I was going to say, like, on this record, along these lines, there's quite a bit that feels like new rhythmic ground for the mm. Slackers. And part of it is, I, I guess, the like the freedom you were given, Ara. Uh, but there's also, like, uh, like two-thirds of the record has Larry McDonald on it. 
which is I have I have to believe that's the the most hand drumming you've had on a Slackers record. Am I wrong about that? <laughs> Technically, uh, probably. Yeah. Just, uh, Maybe. Afternoon <laughs> in Dub has Larry on every track. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> he's, he's he's on a lot of tracks. I mean, Larry's hitting yeah. his stride. It's this thing. It's like the crazy thing he's about amazing. him. I think he's playing. He's, he's playing better at better at eighty five than he was at seventy five. Or when I met him, I think he was around uh, like in his sixties. He was just mm-hmm. a kid. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah, I was going to say Larry McDonald's playing suddenly sounds uh, mature on this record as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's oh good. He's eighty something years old. Thank you. <laughs> he, he finally found the groove. <laughs> He's he keep he keeps. I don't know how he. It's like. Is he keeps us playing fresh and he's, he's like, you know, I spent a lot of time playing with him over the years and it's like, he's, he's like on an upper curve. I mean, it's amazing yes. to be, to be in his age and still learning and thinking and editing. And, and it's like, wow. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like, he's, he's, yeah. It, it, the weird thing. Yes. He is more, he is more mature. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> it's actually true. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. As it yeah, I what? went. Uh, I went digging through his his discography to put together that that playlist. The, the oh, he played everything. It is an amazing collection of music. I I can't even, and it's not even all of it. It's just what's on Spotify. <laughs> like it's such a a wide variety of of tunes. Yeah, and you guys are on. And stage. he's a he's a joy <laughs> to have on stage too. You know, it's like yeah. we get unannounced guests all the time. But when it's Larry, you sit him right next to me, man. I love having Larry play on play with yeah. this yeah. music. He's he's just he adds so much. He like personality, musically, everything. It's wonderful to have Larry around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I concur. I don't know. It it <laughs> <laughs> it when it when it winds up with time won't set you free, it's it's almost like a uh, it's not a happy ending, um, <laughs> but I I don't think it's supposed to be. You've been alive for the last couple of years, right? I there have, is no happy yeah. ending. You know, we have to sort of control our rage. Sometimes writing a song about it is a good way to control it. Mm. But yeah, we have, yeah, there's a lot of anger underneath the surface, and uh, it's a very personal record. It's not nothing on here is theoretical. You know? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I gotta say, like Matt, I love I love the way that you uh, hear us and sort of read <laughs> our you sort of read our really? albums as like books, and it, it makes me almost remember how I'm supposed to listen to an album because <laughs> I feel like I feel like I have forgotten. I think the, I think the creation of the music felt really good to be making things in these times and making tunes just felt really good. It was, it was, it was, it's a therapeutic, at least on my part, you know, I felt like, I felt like a rush, like after we were, we were recording and we're doing stuff, you know, and 
man, we got some cool new tunes coming. That just felt good. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, we want like have things creating things in these times it, it meant a little bit more you know mm -hmm. it wasn't if, if it really felt like hey that were right you know it's like yeah the fucking world is going to shit right now but we made something really good and it feels good and maybe this will you know be a good a good little thing to put out into the universe and see what happens well like i said i think it's i think it's just a knockout record it definitely speaks to me. A lot of the tunes on this speak to me. I think if um, there's any Slackers fans out there that have maybe uh, missed a few records, this is the one to, to catch catch up with you guys on, for sure. And on. Yeah, it's good. You know, I I don't know what to say about the band. We don't. I don't think as a, as a band we have a super huge ego. And I mean, again, you might know us better than we know ourselves, but I would say uh, we. We are a workaday band. I remember one time hearing Pink Floyd describe themselves and they said, you know, we're really just a working class band. We really just like to go into places and play gigs. And I know that the music is weird and it's different and whatever, but we're just a band. We just like to go places and play gigs and we like to make records. And I remember, wow, that's, that's me. That's me. So you call me what you want, whatever. Put me in genres. Say I've done something really groundbreaking or I've repeated myself for the past 30 years. Uh, I'm a working musician and I think all the slackers are. Dave is certainly a working musician. Jay is certainly a working musician. You know, Ara, certainly. We are we are working class. We are like working, work a day, working class musicians. That's what we are. You know? What was the, I mean, what was the idea behind the photo shoot? It, it, we had a show that didn't happen. So we had a day off. Um, uh, and we were between Yuma and uh, Orange County, Anaheim. And it occurred to me, like, oh, there's some of the greatest, like, landscapes in the United States are out there, like the dunes. And so I was thinking, like, oh, if we could get some photo shoots out there, that would be amazing. And then we really lucked out. We found this guy who was down for the mission from a – he is, like, a really real deal photographer. He, you'll – You've seen his photos before of Jiro Schneider. And uh, yeah, those those places were crazy. I know it's really physically uncomfortable. I appreciate that everybody put up with it, but I mean, you know, like the... <laughs> but it was, it was at like, the end of the day, it was so exhilarating. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like the, you know, it's, it was like 118 degrees or whatever when we were on the dunes. <laughs> <laughs> it was really fucking hot. Like So we, we'd be out there for 10 minutes and then we'd hop into the air conditioner, air conditioned car for 10 minutes. Drink a bunch of water, <laughs> go out another ten minutes, do the and hop in the. It's like it was crazy, man. By the Salton Sea is where we did a bunch of the other stuff at Salvation Mountain, and then um, what if, if you want to make an apocalyptic album that really fit the? I mean, it's like these dead towns. It was and, incredible. You know the lighting on the cover. That's not enhanced. That's how it actually looked. That was the light. Yeah. 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 We yeah. had some cool stuff there. It was the worst yeah. smelling place I've ever been. God. <laughs> Ooh, oh my god! god. It's so bad. The smell is so bad. It was, I mean, it the, was... the, the general the general smell was atrocious, but then there were certain spots that were even worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a <laughs> fish fish toilet. Fish to fish toilet. <laughs> well, the photos look great, and yeah. like I can't. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a Slackers photo shoot that looks so striking, but like there's not a lot of bands in general 
that have like such a gorgeous photo collection <laughs> for a record to promote a record like it's it's a really cool collection of photos oh thanks thank you thanks okay. so much for putting the interest in and, and thanks for thanks for listening so hard and being such yeah uh, yeah of course thanks, guys. thanks for letting us spend some time thanks. ahead of the release with these songs yeah be a few bit uh, but yes. yeah i'm gonna run thanks, I'm gonna, i'll talk to you guys later yeah thank you guys okay. Likewise. Later. Thank Peace. you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Nice hanging out with everybody. Right, Good see you guys. Good you. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into this a uh, special as always episode of things I can't forget. We're, we think it's special. Mm-hmm, I hope special. you think it's special. Uh, we do have some more conversation with the slackers coming out in a little bit. So watch this space and hear more later. In the well, meantime, should we, should we tease that a bit more? No, no, no. Let, they'll, they'll hear more about, they'll hear more from the slackers soon. Okay. Okay. That's all they need to know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So until then, uh, my name is Matt Wixon. I'm JJ Loy. And thank you. Bye. Aloha. Sorry. I was going to ask you, Glenn, do you get, do you get criticisms from, from Vic on, on songwriting? <laughs> On my stuff? Yeah. I don't listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I sp- specifically for me, I used to love ACDC. I know as an Australian, this is, this is blasphemous. But <laughs> now I'm li- I listen to ACDC and I'm like, eh, they're a good, you know, they're a good bar band. You know, they're, they're good blues rock bar band. They're really nothing special. Yeah. But I used to think they were fucking amazing. I'm sorry. Hold up. Did you just say as an Australian? Yeah, I didn't realize. I'm Tasmanian. You... Okay. I right. this was are you fucking with me right now? <laughs> no. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'd never heard this before, man. <laughs> Can anybody he's... back me up? I'm Matt. Are you aware of this? He's so Australian. He's Tasmanian. I've never he's heard Tasmanian. This before. Exactly. Okay. All right. Oh shit. All right. <laughs> he's from a little island where they put the real hard cases in Australia. They send them out there. <laughs> Yeah. We have penguins. That's how far <laughs> south we are. We have penguins. <laughs> so when you, so when Marcus will sign stuff, you'll see KOP written on a lot of the, the things. He, write, he writes that, and it stands for King of Penguins. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> true. <laughs> That's how you know it's a real authentic Marcus Geard signature. Yeah, no one's... Yeah. <laughs> Not a fraudulent penguin mm. so many signature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know there's fraudulent Arababajan signatures because I've written them. <laughs> <laughs> I used to I used to sign uh, uh, Tim Armstrong and Lars Fredrickson on people's things. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. They never noticed. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> Glenn's pulling at his collar. <laughs> yeah.